This is episode 209 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 209 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Jose and Khadija Jafferji on the podcast. Jose was on episode 46, so it's been almost four years, I guess. Three years, something like that, since he's been on the show. He is absolutely crushing it. So as a couple, Jose and Khadija are, are doing what I think a lot of people set their goals as to be doing. They are raising a young family. They have an absolutely awesome portfolio on the go. They're flipping 15 houses a year. So in this episode, we dug into how their business has changed since the downturn, what they're focusing on now, what Jose's doing in the US as well, and how they have that work-life balance, really what's driving them. So we talked about organization, goal setting, everything in between. I think there is just so much that we can learn from Jose and Khadija, and I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. So I hope you're looking forward to watching it as much as I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Before we jump into it, I want to remind you that if you're struggling with some of the terminology we use in this show, definitely head back to the early episodes, work your way through the first 10 to 15 episodes, and then come back to the current ones. The foundational learning that was shared in those videos is something that's really going to help you if you're uh, if you're new to some of this lingo. Something else that will also help you is meeting other investors, which is why I highly recommend you come out to the GTA West REI meetup, which happens monthly. Right now we're hosting it at Clifford Brewing. So please make sure you're in our private group so that you can be notified next time we have an event scheduled. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a five-star rating and review and hit the like, subscribe, notification bell and share a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Jose and Khadija. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Khadija and Jose Jafferji on the show. Jose, you were on a long time ago, three years, we were just saying, probably right. something like that before right. the first lockdown, all that fun. So obviously, uh, things have probably changed a bit. For sure. But for those who haven't seen that episode, could you guys both just give me your your quick elevator pitch to who you are and what you do? Sure. Me first. Uh, yeah, so uh, we run uh, Savvy Real Estate Group, um, mm-hmm. which is a group of companies uh, primarily based in Ontario. Um, we've employed a bunch of strategies over the last, I'd say we've been investing for almost 10 years, um, from buy and hold to fix and flips. Um, we mm-hmm. have our own property management company. And most okay. recently, we have diversified into the United States, where we have been focused on large uh, U.S. multifamily syndication deals. Um, but aside from that, um, obviously, we are uh, married and we have a young family. Uh, we have three boys, all under the age of six. So it's a pretty busy house. Wow. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it in a nutshell. Three, well, how old's your youngest? So we have twins. They're four. And then we have an older one who's six, all boys. Okay. Does it does it get easier? I know we talked about this definitely before. A, definitely a busy household. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends what your say, definition I of easy is. I wouldn't say it gets easier. It it gets um, different, different challenges. Yeah, different challenges because you're kind of outnumbered now. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. But you're still bigger sometimes, than they are. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to deal with. I'm pretty sure you can still take them. <laughs> People say that they like weird me out. Oh, if you have too many, you'll be outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I, and and you guys are obviously both doing this full time. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, was it like that when they were younger as well? At what point did it become a full time? Yeah, I became uh, basically. Uh, I got an engineering degree, and then uh, I, I got a, my real estate license uh, about eight years ago. Is when I went full time in real estate. 
Yeah. Um, so it's been a great journey, but we always, we bought our first property in 2007. Uh, so which was a long time ago. And uh, ever since then, we've been just focusing more on investments and mm. growing our own portfolio, uh, as she mentioned, yeah, using you, several strategies. You've done the flips. I know you were doing, last time we talked about the Toronto flips. Yep. Uh, not everybody flips in Toronto. That's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more aggressive and there's obviously a little bit more uh, risk associated. That's right. So now that there's been this correction, you, you've changed gears on that, right? Yeah. Up until last year, I would say mid last year, we were still acquiring properties. Um, well, obviously when we saw the increases in uh, rates, we kind of put a pause on our acquisitions and uh, just finished off whatever we had uh, ongoing. Um, and how has that worked out? Because Toronto is down, what, like 30, 35% from its highs? But that's actually like the greater Toronto area. I don't know if metropolitan Toronto was yeah i was from the from the february peak yes yeah Um, okay but you know it wasn't just toronto we we were doing a lot of projects in uh the in hamilton uh in oshawa uh we finished a project in toronto well luckily we sold it right when um when like the after the first rate hike okay yeah so it took a little haircut on the price that we were projecting but it was still worked out well okay so Recap me then. So you didn't. You basically came unscathed then from this. You stopped acquisitions. You finished up a project. You were only a couple of months off, and then yeah. and then got it sold. Pretty yeah. much unscathed. Yeah. I mean, we we lost money on one deal, um, uh, which was uh, it was not a, not a smaller a deal. Loss, yeah. yeah, yeah, smaller deal. Okay, and from there, what's what's the pivot that you know sort of replaces that active income? Because flipping is obviously active income. Probably yeah. why you didn't really need to be an active realtor anymore. You've got that right. coming in. It kind of helps things. So yeah. what's the strategy now? Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that active flipping is going to be gone from what we do. I think that mm-hmm. we'll still get back into flipping. The thing that always helped us differentiate ourselves uh, compared to maybe other flippers. I don't know what other flippers do, but um, we always sought our own deals. We did all of our own marketing. Yeah, I remember and we you sought talking our own about deals. that. And yeah. what that allowed us to do is to be very selective in what we purchased. We would mm-hmm. farm areas that we were very comfortable with yeah. and we would make sure that we were making money on the buy. That was always really, yeah. really important, right? So, so were you doing the appointments or who's doing the appointments? So we have a team, we okay. have staff. Um, we Some of the phone calls I used to take yeah. Um, because just that initial screening, we don't have the high volume that wholesalers have. Because again, like I said, we're not just sending out yeah. mass marketing and doing yeah. tons of online leads. We're farming areas that we're very comfortable with, certain yeah. pockets of Toronto, Hamilton, Oshawa. That yeah. was our primary base. Um, so we would get those leads and, uh, you know, those slam dunk deals. Uh, we didn't need to necessarily do volume. It was just about buying the right yeah, deals. Yeah, buy, buy a few good deals. That 100%. takes care of things. That's right. Yeah. And I mean... We were very lucky uh, because of the market, yeah. you know, so uh, it was very profitable when it was, yeah. you know, uh, so we sold quite a few properties at the peak, mm-hmm. which uh, we were like, right at the right time. First quarter of last year is when yeah. uh, we, we disposed of quite a few properties. So yeah, yeah it was it was timing. Yeah, yeah. hindsight uh, is 2020 20 for most people. For you guys, it, uh, it worked out very well. Um, like, I, certainly, if I'd known how things were going to go, I would have made some moves earlier. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> nice that that worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. And again, like I said, because we weren't doing the kind of volume necessarily that other people were, uh, maybe a 
combination of time as well we weren't left with a whole load of properties like Mm -hmm. we didn't have you know 20 30 properties to dispose or anything close to that how many are you flipping at a time usually so usually in a given year we'll probably do 10 to 15 flips good flips and Um, that's across toronto hamilton yeah oshawa that's right average price point on those um, so we like our sweet spot has always been a lower end flip um, under a million dollar sale price. Um, that's kind of been okay. yeah, that's kind of been our sweet spot. It's funny that that's low end. Like, I know, low-end. I know. No, because I mean, some flippers are like doing mm-hmm. the more luxury flips where they're selling them yeah. at like a one point five, you know, plus price point. Even in Toronto, yeah. we weren't doing properties that were typically transacting over a million dollars. Maybe if they were, it was just like slightly over a million dollars. But how do you even find that? Well, I mean, I guess now maybe it's more doable. But like a like a, one of those row houses where the shingles change color on, <laughs> on every firewall? Is that? Yeah, you're yeah. buying distressed properties even in Toronto. And I think that one of the reasons we were able to do this um, is because we had an in-house contractor. So okay. we had hired an in-house contractor. It was, um, you know, they call it uh, two men in a truck, right? It's that sweet spot where it's just one guy and a helper. Yeah. And he would literally run the entire job for us. So we weren't dealing with, of course, yeah. we were dealing with some sub trades like electricians and plumbers specialized trades. Yeah. But the bread and butter of the job was being controlled by this yeah. individual and, a, yeah. and one guy. And, and what kind of level of work is needed? Like a few structural walls? Like are these permitted or mostly cosmetic? They're mostly cosmetic. We try to stay away from permitted work. Um, yeah. That's not really our I mean, thing. We have done in the past, but... Um that's Generally a huge speaking, time. It is. It is. Commitment, right? Typically, we like to be in and out within four months. In and out. So you're four writing the offer. Uh, I would yeah. say. Four to six well, on, on the Toronto ones, would it be like more closer to eight months? Yeah, so you're true. writing an offer, closing within 60 days, yeah. 30. Yeah. What's, yeah, what's sometimes. typical? Sometimes. This episode is brought to you by Controlling Compound Financial. They are real estate investors assisting other real estate investors to implement the infinite banking strategy. To learn more about how this can help investors like you, visit controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Are you interested in getting started in investing in the United States but not sure where to start? Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023. Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event. You've, you know, in that time you're planning your reno, probably get to work right away. Yeah. And how long is your contractor in there while you're your employee? Yeah, typically uh, depends on the job, but, but you know, uh, three to four months. Three to four months. Yeah. Okay. And those uh, are like the more challenging, more challenging. Toronto. Yeah, yes. I know. Like, how do you do 10 to 15 if one is taking three to four months? Yeah. Or, so or is he working? He, this he, was was focused, this, he was only focused in one area. Which yeah. is Toronto. Oh, so he's which, your Toronto guy. Yeah, yeah, which were the more, obviously, more challenging jobs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and how, we tried not to do too much volume in Toronto. Uh, and it was harder to find deals as well. Uh, really? Okay. That, uh, that, that worked, all, met all your criteria. Worked, exactly. So you picked your area. I think you were doing something on Google, were you not? Uh, yes. So you were doing targeted Google ads. Yes. Yeah. But, can you do that on Facebook too? Like just micro niche down to a specific geographic area? Yes. I believe you you can. could do it, but I think things have changed now. Yeah. Cause last time I was into our AdWords account, even for our camp, it just didn't really seem like you could get as specific about things. I used to be you able can. to get so specific about things. Yeah. Like I only want these 20 words, not even related words. Just give yeah. me these 20. Yeah. Um, 
so it's not quite that that way so do you just have to trust in sort of the ai a little bit more as far as like the algorithms go uh, and they, they obviously they're there to try and make you money so yeah you pay more we you know we at a, after a certain point we kind of stopped uh, the uh, online marketing oh, as much it? You know, we find, uh, especially, I guess, last uh, 2022, we didn't do any uh, online marketing. Oh, so you stepped away from it. Well, we were running it until end of 2021. Mm-hmm. And then we saw our numbers where our leads were coming from, and it, and it was primarily offline. Yeah. You know? Did you guys... We did some, Post like, cards. we did a Post lot cards, of... Like, yeah. yes, that's what yeah. everyone's doing. We did a lot of... Spent a lot of time on SEO as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some organic leads from from that but i would say yeah. primarily offline yeah so you, is your savvy real estate group is that on the branding for your acquisitions no, no you no. have a special brand for that of yeah. course yeah that's <laughs> our sort of customer for... interface brand mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. i wouldn't really call it a brand it's just a you know just, like a website they can yeah, go to and... a squeeze page and like that sort of thing okay so yeah. then they just is it like they just sign up for a free evaluation and and then you guys arrange an appointment and proceed through the process exactly just the way yeah. that most wholesalers yeah, are, is yeah. same exact process i think that yeah. what also helps is um in a in a time where there was a lot of wholesalers um they like the idea that, that we were the buyer so yeah. when we would go in there would be no conditions there'd be no second yeah. visits there would be none of that so we were able to negotiate based on building that rapport with them knowing that we were the ones who were going to transact the yeah deal. i could see that that could work well for you i mean at the end yeah. of the day i think you have to own your approach right like so i think some wholesalers they'd be like really good at owning their approach with that and then yeah. you guys obviously have your niche and for sure and it works well for you yeah well yeah in 20 uh, as of last year we were also doing a development project in uh hamilton where yeah. we severed a lot and we built two detached homes okay that was a uh, challenging project um and uh, now we've turned that into an airbnb Airbnb. So you already built it? Yeah. yeah. Deal? We, just, we just completed it, yeah. So you owned both lots, just built them for yourself or, or contracted? Did you, yeah, hire, I was, did you hire a GC? Uh, uh, no, I was the GC. Okay, so you yeah. just found yourself all the trades? Yeah. Are you pulling people from Toronto or just people you were already working with? A lot of the uh, the finishing work was all people we knew, but uh, mm-hmm. you know the foundation work was obviously uh, somebody I got a referral through. So a lot yeah. of them were referrals. You had to invent the wheel a little bit for that stuff. Yeah. But now you yeah. can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> the I don't question know if I would. Do you want to do it? I don't know if I would necessarily. Why not? It was um it was a very painstaking process. because uh, we, we went through the uh, severance process and then mm-hmm. uh just just the delays with the city, you know, yeah. as was very frustrating. Um and because we, we actually had another piece, a larger piece of land under contract. And that was my whole intention was to do more development deals. But mm-hmm. uh, I know I kind of went into more multifamily route instead. Yeah. I mean, building is not for everybody. And I I find I, I despise the delays. It just yeah. takes forever. And uh, definitely can be frustrating because at, at best you're a year in most cases. But it's from when you start conceptualizing to when it's done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was uh, like we were in the middle of COVID. So I kind of put a pause on uh, submitting my permit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, you know, the uh, just to give an example, during construction, we were, we were trying to get our occupancy permit. And, uh, you know, one of um, uh, the city needed to replace or damage a water pipe uh, where the shutoff was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took two months just to get that done. Yeah. And, and so we're on... 
standstill paying our loans yeah, while yeah. city does not care at all yeah right? i've had similar experience you know with a permit um this, you know, you're going in for a permit and if they, they all they have to do is find one thing they don't like and then they're off the clock yeah. and then they can just get back to you whenever they want could be next year sometime yeah yeah, yeah. so just playing by somebody else's rule just doesn't sit yeah. well with me you, know, you guys I, probably know this about me, but it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody I say that to laughs at me. I'm like, oh, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I say too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I do have a, a thought I wanted to kind of talk about is just with the, uh, the Toronto stuff and the opportunity now. I mean, of course, that opportunity is elsewhere. Obviously, values are quite a bit down. Rents are quite a bit up. But I guess rentals isn't your typical game except except for the multifamilies you were going after yeah we uh in, toronto, perf- itself? in toronto itself no no um but you guys are going after multifamilies elsewhere we like yes. hamilton and yes so we have a so in ontario we have a portfolio of about 150 units that okay. we uh self-manage and uh with no equity partners um we we had a lot of uh, private money and, yeah uh, where where did uh where are those located most of our portfolios in hamilton hamilton okay um we have some buildings in cambridge brantford um and then we have a small portfolio in oshawa as well nice yeah yeah you're very systematic i can tell we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna talk more about that um but just like the opportunity right now to flip i know you said you sort of put a pause on it is there a number like do you still keep your eyes open like is there a number that oh, you'll yeah. look yeah, at stuff yeah. we're gonna we just we're, restarted we some marketing. of our marketing yeah yeah um we're feeling like we're ready to get back into it um i think that the pause was multifaceted it was partly because of the market but it was also because we had just so many other things happening yeah and you know because we offloaded all these properties at the beginning of q1 we were okay mm-hmm. we're like yeah. okay let's just sort of it gave us time to think and to reorganize ourselves and jose had a really big deal in atlanta that he was working on for q2 of last year so it gave us a chance to just finish all of that like there was a lot happening so i think it was in that development project as well. the development project so it wasn't just the market but the market was sort of an excuse to kind of take a step back and reevaluate well i could say ugcing that build would not be a very good use of your time based on everything else you've got going. no i mean we had help uh with uh because 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 it was in hamilton we do have a staff i I was i was there yeah i was there at the very the beginning stages you had a site super there right Uh, we have a project coordinator who works for us full time and okay how many how many employees do you have so eight eight right now okay between like administration and actual physical work yeah and the story of finding them was it was it all random or was it indeed posts yeah she was the one uh in charge of hiring so yeah it's been a mixed bag it's been a mixed bag like even i've actually one of my full-time staff right now who's been with me the longest i found her on kijiji um and i actually was a part-time position at the beginning Mm -hmm. she was just doing like part-time leasing when I got pregnant with my twins, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So she was kind of helping me and then it evolved and evolved. Um, yeah. Same with our bookkeeper. She's amazing. Yeah. She works for us almost full time. Um, and we found her on Kijiji. Yeah, you can find some great finds on Kijiji. I you know, said my main carpenter that I started with, Kijiji find. And so yeah. many good people I found through him. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find a lot of riffraff on there too. You will. You gotta, you gotta yeah, sift through. Yeah, because I mean, contractors, yeah. they're not going to go on Indeed, right? Yeah, Just... contractors for sure, Kijiji. All of yeah. our good contractors. Yeah. Really? A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, Indeed, that's true. Like, unless they were just looking for like a 
higher level position, position. yeah higher level position yeah. like a site supervisor or something like that you'll see that that's right so yeah. your contractors like just people offering their services you're finding them on kijiji yeah. yeah but the problem i find with that and you tell me where what you've seen um is that usually the good ones and there's obviously exceptions but usually the good ones are just getting so many referrals that they don't need to so is it that you're finding like newer contractors that are sort of just getting started and need somebody to give them a shot you know what it's interesting like uh there's a contractor who works for me in hamilton he's an older gentleman he doesn't want he he likes to pick and choose what he does mm -hmm. um he sort of finished his his career he, I'd say he's semi-retired, but he still likes to keep himself busy. Same mm -hmm. with actually our full-time guy, the one who worked for us in Toronto. He's yeah. an ex-Ford employee. Mm -hmm. um, he's retired, technically. Technically. Um, yeah. But yeah. they like they like to do certain types of work. We offer them something that other people don't. Um, they're not working in a house that's um, you know family-owned and, and lived in. They're working in vacant properties. They have a lot more control over the job mm -hmm. because of the type of work that we do. They yeah. feel a different feeling when they're working in these types of jobs. So it's about finding those people and having them align with what you're offering and really yeah. for them to see the value um getting paid every friday we pay every friday so our bookkeeper all so of our contractors pay stubs every week we don't do pay stubs for a lot of them a lot of them are con contractual okay, so they'll bill us yeah. based on like their hours um mm -hmm. but they'll they'll put in their timesheets and they get paid every friday so who else is going to offer that right like yeah weekly pay helps it does yeah. You attract people. I think contractors, that's one of the biggest things for them. They just want to know they're getting paid. Once you have an established trust, then it's not so hard. For sure. Even yeah. materials, right? Like um, we'll help order materials in bulk and have them delivered to the site. Mm -hmm. Just less running around for them. They can focus on their work. Um, yeah. Working with other skilled trades that they sort of get to know. So once they yeah. kind of get working with us, it's like, hey, the same plumbers, the same electricians are working yeah. with them. There's a lot of comfort and reliability and autonomy that they yeah. have on these jobs we actually did a contractor appreciation event um <laughs> last year at christmas yeah yeah so which was uh, because we finished a big building project and uh we one held it at one of the units you know so it was it was great it was yeah. just to kind of you know not see them working in a different setting um yeah. offer them we, we usually give them a lot of gifts uh, during christmas uh bonuses you know, mm -hmm. uh, so we try to treat them nice, you know, value, value the work that they do because yeah. it yeah. is super valuable to us. Right. OK, so in terms of, of your operation, like when you guys are looking for something that you're going to flip, what what's the what's the number? I mean, some people use the 70 percent rule. So 70 percent uh, of the end sale price, less the cost to renovate. Like, yeah. are you, I mean, of course, in this market, you're going to want to adjust that a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say. We like to stick with like 75% of uh, after repair value minus cost. Uh, no. reno yeah, yeah. renovation costs. Yeah. And give me an example of, you know, something you might buy and, and what kind of renovations might be needed in terms of like what's physically being done and even uh, a number for that. Yeah. So let's say it's um, we start off at the after repair value of, let's say, a million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. That's our projected sale price. Um so uh, we would be around 750 as the um, 750 minus your rehab cost. That says hundred thousand dollar rehab cost. Mm -hmm. So we're buying it at 650. Okay. Yeah. And then that allows you the the margin you need to make a profit, pay private loans. Yeah. Do and all of that course, stuff. 650. You know, we have some flexibility. We may go up to seven if we needed to, but we have to really yeah. tighten down our budget and make sure that yeah. we're 
not um, underestimating. Would you do that in today's market? Like, I guess knowing that things are already down 30, 35%. Yeah, with with those kinds of margins, I would still feel comfortable. Still feel comfortable yeah. because you think the majority of the, uh, yeah. the decrease in price is already behind us? I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. No one has a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's, everyone's. I mean, it's crack, definitely a risk, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you. Well, the time we're... is the problem, right? That's like, right. It's time like is how. The yeah, today that's the value, but what about in ten months' time when when it's on the market? Yeah, um, and I think that's going to be the key right now with the purchasing is making sure we buy deals that are not going to take forever to rehab. Yeah, it's like a quick one. Yeah, and, and if and it to is going to take longer, it's like you need to press that margin more and get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking more like 55% or something like that. Now, who's going to go for that? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, yeah. you're a lot more likely to be able to have that conversation in a market where things aren't flying off the shelf. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we, uh, there are other options as well. We could, you know, not do a full rehab, maybe do a more yeah. cosmetic one. Uh, in Toronto, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. But, you know, mm -hmm. if it's still a bargain and we just kind of wholetail that. Right? Wholetail? Yeah. Okay, so you guys do a little bit of that. Well, yeah, that's more just like close on it and just relist it, right? Yeah. Yeah, just clean it up. Because and... now the, the speed is what is very important, right? Just because, yeah. as you mentioned, you can't predict what's going to happen in right. uh, six months plus. So we want to keep that window short. Yeah. Well, in my mind, that kind of gives you an opportunity to go after the longer ones because you're not the only one thinking that. Oh, no, this one's too much work. Like, I'm sure those those sellers are probably hearing that, especially if they're a listed property. Um. Like, would you guys entertain listed properties now or you're not even looking there? Personally, I just... <laughs> we haven't bought anything on market in a really long time. Really long time yeah. I'd say three, three plus years. I mean, not, I have I have looked into it, uh, pre, you know, in the, in the past, but nothing's worked out. Um, maybe it's time to revisit that. There's going to be stuff sitting there, right? You know, yeah. There's still just, a lot of people it's Sometimes it's way. just a matter of getting the, the seller and, uh, and, the, and the realtor like on board that, hey, that price is not realistic. You know? yeah. If you want to get rid of it. But if it's been so sitting it's, a it's, long it's, time. It's more so like putting in a lot of yeah. offers um, to yeah. see what sticks. But you, yeah, and there's no harm doing that. You're still licensed as a realtor? Yeah. So you can still throw in the offers for yourself? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you list all your stuff when yeah. you're selling? Yeah. Okay. I still do that, yeah. So uh, I guess you take a small commission <laughs> from yourself <laughs> yes. as you do that. Your brokerage probably wants you to charge I pay, something. Uh, yeah, I pay myself when I'm listing a property. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I'll charge myself a little bit just so that I can uh, build up my personal income you know, for uh, yeah. qualifying for a car, for example. <laughs> yeah, you still need to have that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like from your company, you guys just take dividends, yeah. or yeah. that still counts too. Towards. Yeah, but it, we take you know, small we uh, the reason I mentioned that was uh, we uh, last year we bought a ca new car and we were it was it's a comp it's under a company name, but we had a lot of issues with qualifying yeah. qualifying yeah. that. Yeah, it's funny, yeah, because they just don't like people who sell cars. They they don't think like that. They don't think yeah. about you having a corporation. That they're, they're why don't you show personal income? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like too many mortgages, too much too much liability showing yeah. on your personal. So, well, why why are your mortgages showing on your personal? Because aren't you doing mostly multifamily? Like, do you have any? No, we still have. You have a handful our, of residential yeah, yeah. rentals. We haven't been buying anything under personal name for a long time, but we still have our existing portfolio. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's there? Which which we're in the process of kind of liquidating some of it now. I think it's time to yeah free up some capital and and we're looking for. A, Larger deals. There are ways to roll it into a company, but you have to do like, I forget how it works. Like you can sell like shares of the company 
to yourself for rolling a property in and it, I, the only thing it really saves you is the land transfer tax for now yeah yeah I but just there's some mortgage requalification is going to you know so. yeah it's it's an annoying process yeah yeah so this is why yeah if you're going to grow as big as you you guys did like anyone who's planning that i don't think you should even start in your personal name you should just go straight to corporation yeah yeah because you'd, otherwise you're down the road you'll try and get a car loan you're like, oh no can't do that yeah, yeah. No, absolutely mm-hmm. it's uh it was very uh actually was a bit shocking that uh, yeah. they were <laughs> asking so many questions and then i had to go to two different dealerships just to qualify Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, lesson learned then eh, for the future. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit about how you guys structure your day. Like you'd have to be very systematic to have accomplished all you have, have the employees you have. Um, obviously, you build a team, but there's certain consistent elements that always go into, you know, making a cake or, you know, creating a, an operation like this. So tell me about your day. Like, what's your schedule? Like, what's your goal setting process like and what are your motivating factors? Yeah. You want to go? Let you go ahead. You, me, go ahead. Um, you know what? Uh, now yeah, life is different than it was like, you know, six, seven years ago, we obviously have children, which is a big component of how we structure our days. Mm-hmm. And obviously a big, you know, we talk about this thing, financial freedom and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like what for it? What is it for? Right. It's so you can have control over your time. Mm-hmm. And why do you need control over your time? Because of our family like that for yeah. us, everyone's yeah. why is different. But for us, that's our why. Like our kids yeah. are small and they're only going to be small for so long. Right. You only have those short amount of special years, yeah. in my opinion. And then and then that's it. They're gone. Um, they don't need you the same way. They don't necessarily want your time the same way. So for us, our schedule does revolve around our kids right now. Um, The kids go to school at nine o'clock every day. So in the mornings, um, if we do wake up early, if we have things to do, especially me, I'm I'm more of a morning person than Jose, but I'll get up a couple hours before the kids get up and I'll get my day started. Um, What time are they getting up? Six? So the kids actually are great. They wake, they sleep till 730. Oh, that's nice. Um, So my twins have always been great sleepers. They've always slept seven to seven. Now they're a little bit bigger. They sleep at eight at night but they'll typically wake up around 7 30 so if i need to get a little bit done before they get up uh, get a few things knocked out i can mm-hmm. um and then the twins wake up and the other guy wakes up and then it's just them yeah. breakfast school dropping them off to school yeah. um and then by the time we get back in the morning it's typically around 9 15 yeah. and that's when we'll start our day um maybe we, we still haven't had breakfast sometimes so we're, we're getting our breakfast and, and and starting our day around 9 30 um we have a schedule during the week where like Mondays, we have team meetings, certain things that are blocked off that are every week. Um, But we definitely do use our calendars very heavily, um, trying our best to focus on sort of those activities that are imminent in the morning. Yeah, like do you have like a a set of like, these are our core activities that keep our business going. Like we need to have these in every week. Like some people like have that in a set window every week, but then some people, your schedule is just all over the place. Yeah, we know that's, that's, for example, in December, that's what I did. I, I, it put as much as possible in our calendar like uh, i'm talking about marketing activities you know our meetings um yeah, yeah sending out newsletters sending out postcards yeah. so, Jose so you and give I have yourself to, an hour to do that or yeah just so that we have it allocated and it's almost almost as a reminder as well that hey we need to work on this you know mm-hmm. this is coming up this week. yeah so we have a podcast too so scheduling in our podcast yeah. um yeah. scheduling in our strategy meetings so we'll meet once a week um, to talk about like where things are going and what we're working on this week or this month or yeah. you know things that are happening um, 
And yeah, so I mean, it's busy. We we self-manage our properties too. So we have a property management arm to our business. Mm-hmm. So we run a property manage, a small property management company. Um, yes, it's so we have multiple corporations. We have holding corps. Yeah, and then we have estate. our our day-to-day running corp, which does yeah. the flipping. And within that is our management corp too. Okay. So, I mean, it, I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 a lot yeah. of grinding. Like we grind. Yeah. Like we work hard. That sounds like I mean, a lot of work. Um, we work at night when the kids go yeah, to bed. Yeah, sometimes we work at, at eight night. o'clock. The I kids mean, go to bed. you know, typically, yeah, like I like I said, start around nine thirty for myself, and then uh, I'll go pick up the kids around three thirty, and then mm-hmm. I'll pick up maybe two hours, uh, yeah, after kids go to go to bed. Maybe not two, but like. Yeah. You know, watching some videos sometimes or it's learning just or learning reading stuff or, yeah or just, yeah like what know, what is absorbing. the work that, that like obviously a lot of meetings because you're trying to empower teams and yeah. if you're like anything like me you're anything that's repetitive you want to delegate that yeah yeah, yeah. meetings i i have quite a few, quite a lot of meetings uh because of my u.s uh mm-hmm. multifamily ventures it's every morning we have a, I have a meeting for that, and then uh, we have an asset management meeting as well. Uh, so it's uh, it, yeah, I uh, feel like I get stuck with meetings quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's talking to investors, um, you know. That's productive meetings. So I like those kind of meetings. Yeah. Sometimes team meetings, if you don't have clear defined goals of what you're trying to get out of that meeting, I find that they can be not that productive. That's right. Yeah. Right, yeah. You don't want to just get on for the sake of getting on. You want to make sure, okay, what are we trying to press for here? Mm-hmm. Do you for guys sure. do you guys have an approach with that? that, that with our team them, meetings? Yeah. yeah, we usually we take minutes every meeting okay. and then we'll sort of circle back to minutes and then we'll we basically just go through we have an agenda. Like we'll go through our, you know, any, our kind of flips, like KPIs, our, 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 you know, like um Yeah, for yeah. rentals, our KPIs and yeah. um what vacancies we have and like a lot of the operations yeah. is handled by the team. So a lot of our meetings are focused around just, the operations. Yeah, me about what this is yeah going how through. this is going yeah yeah and i mean we talked you asked us a little bit about goals and i know some people have different opinions on goals but goals have always worked really well for us um i'm not gonna lie like i was never a goal believer or like a vision board believer and he always was like since the mm-hmm. day i met him which was like mm-hmm. we've been married for 14 years we've met each other like 16 years ago. So ever since I met him, he always had this thing where he was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. He was very young. We were in our 20s. Um, And if you walk into Jose's office, which is, you don't want to walk into his office, um, the walls, like all the walls are plastered with boards, like uh, bulletin boards. And on those bulletin boards, there's visuals and numbers and like all sorts of stuff. Like it's it's like, it's crazy in there. the other day we were getting our windows we're getting our windows replaced and the window guy walked through the whole house and then he walked into his office because <laughs> the whole house is very neat and tidy and I'm, yeah. I'm very particular but i don't go in there um yeah. and he's like what do you, what does this guy do <laughs> like what does this guy do <laughs> he was so confused um but yeah, it's kind of jose a... loves to visualize and to put everything and up this goal visualization or is this more so it's that? a little bit like you know i have um you know, yeah, it's uh, a little bit of everything. Some of it is goals. Some of it is uh, some projects that I'm working on. Some of it is my cash flow projections, you know, or... Our net worth uh, net, statements, yeah, like, like everything. Yeah, uh, um, you know, our uh, vision board, my, you know, mm-hmm. affirmations. Quotes, so it's, like it's... Yeah, ev- quotes, everything, yeah. But it has to be on That's the walls. Instead of, instead of just one board it's it's like three, three <laughs> walls three walls and he says it has to be that way because he has to be able to see it 
That's can't get lost in, in like rubble, right? It has to be like in his face. Yeah. Every, as soon as he walks in, it's like you're surrounded. Think, yeah, the quotes and the affirmations, like things like you need to remind yourself of. It's actually a good thing to have that right in front of you. Yeah. So if you get bogged down in your own crap, you can kind of yeah, pull yourself would, out of it. You know, like once uh, I would say once a month or so, I'm, I'll just kind of walk through, you know, and kind of go through each uh, very carefully and see if just remind myself, you know, am I missing something or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are we on track? Are we on like, track? Yeah. Or we, when we, you know, when are we, when are we ready to this. sell this property? <laughs> you know? I think I need to see a picture of this. Room. I think I need to show you yeah. a picture. It's, it's pretty awesome. But mm-hmm. I mean, we are very goal oriented. We do our net worth statements multiple times a year. We do, we track mm-hmm. um, all of our deals, what our projections are, how many deals we need yeah. to do to, we reverse engineer everything. So are you using software to track your deals? Like something like, uh, what's the Asana. one? What's it called? Asana. Asana? Yeah, we use yeah. Asana. I'm familiar with that one. Asana, it's kind of like monday.com or like okay. one of those. It's kind of like a project management software. But on mm-hmm. Asana, there's like a master job board okay. where you can see everything. So I can see everything in one board. I can see yeah. like all of my flips, what I've sold, what I've transacted, how many rental vacancies I have, what new buildings yeah. I have, how many renovations I have. Because we do a lot of renovations in our buildings too. So mm-hmm. in the last yeah. two years, we purchased four new buildings and we've turned around probably like 50 units wow so that's part of what we do too so So that's all like every single unit needs to be tracked sort of as its own project yeah yeah Yeah, it's a lot so asana is a great property property management uh sorry not property uh project management software uh we use buildium for property management yeah Yeah. um so uh, i mean you know and i'm more of a paper guy paper and uh, you know pen yeah uh, where she's very much, you know, you know, in, into the software. Doesn't follow Asana very well. Mm-hmm. Like, put uh, it in but, Asana. But it's good. It's, it's a great system. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it can be customized to whatever you wanted it to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very interesting. You guys like get an affiliate on this? <laughs> nothing. I swear, nothing. <laughs> no, I just, no, you should. I just, I just love it. It's been yeah. a game changer for the business yeah. and with the staff and even people who don't work for us, even like contractors, like if we're doing podcast management or yeah. we're doing our social media management or like if I need somebody to edit stuff, like I have guys, I put everything in a Santa. And then I just link it in there and I can tag him yeah. in there. And then when he's done, he tells me it's done. So I don't have to send any emails. Yeah would be very cool content for you guys to post to like do a walkthrough of your day like <laughs> show you using that stuff like i i mean i'd be i'd be right there checking it out. <laughs> oh, that's... yeah that's very cool um okay so then let's talk about the uh well main thing is what is the goal like obviously you say it's for you know having time for your kids how will you know when you've you've done enough? Like, obviously, I'm, I'm sure there's a way you can run the properties you have to cover your, your income needs. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this year is when we actually started seeing, like, really great cash flow from our buildings. Because yeah. a lot of times, you know, because of the market, uh, we were supposed time. to refinance, but we ended up not doing that. And uh, we're seeing great cash flow now. So when the ones where you couldn't refi, were you just basically keeping more expensive private money in place, or no? Those ones, I mean, I, I've been we've been kind of selling off um, second quarter, starting second quarter of last year, selling off some of our uh, smaller properties mm-hmm. or single family homes we still has at a, at as rentals. Uh, when tenants gave notice to leave, we don't we were like you know we don't want to rent this out again. We're not going to get this opportunity again. So just sell it. Started selling. Um, for some reason last year was 
quite a few people left. Left, yeah. Yeah. From our single family portfolio. So mm-hmm. um, we ended up just, uh, you know, disposing of those properties. And then paying off some of the private money and all that. Okay, yeah, that that helps. And some of our flip profits and whatever we could, we tried to clear out as much of our debt as yeah. we could. Yeah. So we did that, and we haven't refinanced any of our buildings right now. So we're sort of sitting, waiting. We're getting good cash flow right now. You so. could go like do like an MLI select CMHC on yes. some of these, right? Yeah. Like, so you're on 25-year AMs. You could extend that to like 40, potentially 50 yeah. Yeah. if you wanted to. Yes, is that something on your radar? Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking that just to wait another year or so, maybe mm-hmm. by the end of the year. Uh, so I I just did a renewal on, on uh, I'm going to be one property, one building, and then uh, just for one one more year, and then another one's coming up. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do one more year extension on that one as well. On the mortgage? Yeah. Okay. So, but again, going back to my question, <laughs> how will you know it's enough? Like, I mean, at what point is it enough? For you, um, where you guys are just, would you cool it down or do you just like this too much? <laughs> I Yeah, I think we just like the game, right? Like yeah. we we like to challenge ourselves. You know, we want to drive ourselves to, um, you know, always do as much as to our fullest potential, right? So I don't think we, we're doing everything for financial reasons uh, yeah. or ne- I would say not, not definitely not net worth, um, it's more so just like we uh, we want to be able to <laughs> not think about think twice when we're travel you know, we're making travel plans yeah. for example. Not question right. whether you should spend the money. Yeah, yeah. and and then at some point just really be able to do something bigger and give back more. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I, I think and I've said this before. It's like it's not about the goal. It's about who you become in pursuit of that goal. Yeah. So that goal has to keep changing in order for you to evolve as a person, right? You yeah. you get to the goal and then you set a higher goal and then you get to that goal and you set a higher goal because you are not the same person you were mm-hmm. here as you are here yeah. as you are here. And I think for me especially, um, it's really important for my children to see that. It's really important mm-hmm. for them to see the grind, to see the grit. Like yeah. those are really important qualities that I want them to see. And I want them to feel like they have role models in their parents. Yeah. And that's always been really important to me. I mean, um, you know, we came from immigrant families and families where hard work and all of those uh, values were instilled, although entrepreneurship wasn't. Right. Um, we were told to get good jobs, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, now you know, there's this thing where we always talk about the transfer of wealth, like what's going to happen to our kids? Like, are we going to leave all this wealth behind? And um, it, I think that it's not a good idea to leave all that wealth behind. I think it's more so the intellect, intellectual wealth, like these habits and this pursuit and this need to, to set goals and all of these other things, these soft tactical things that I want my children to learn and I want to give mm-hmm. them. And if I don't embody that every day as the age, especially um what are they going to learn? They're going to learn that, oh, like we just have these buildings and like mom and dad just chill. Like, oh, we're just going to chill, right? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I don't, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm not an expert at parenting, but that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel that they need to continue to see that. And um, even now, like I, I always tell them, I'm like, you guys want to go on vacation? Well, then this weekend we got to go and visit this property because I got to go check up on this. Like, yeah. I'll say that to my six year old. Right. Like, where do you guys think the money comes from? Yeah. You know, the Uber. Oh, can the man bring the food tonight? 
we want pizza tonight where's the man i'm like which man where do you yeah. think the money comes from to pay the man right yeah so like it's 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 a lot it's i think it's deeper yeah. um than just like the pursuit of money it's not For even sure. nothing to do with that anymore you like the game i like that yeah. and like obviously sending sell, showing an example as those are huge and just okay. because we're we're a couple doesn't mean we always operate the same way. Like he may have different drivers yeah. than I do, and and that's yeah. that's completely okay. But ultimately, we're able to converge in that we still have the yeah. same sort of goals. Yeah, I would say. I mean, like uh, <laughs> s- second half of last year was uh, was definitely kind of a uh, you know a moment where we had to think what what uh, what kind of direction we want to go into moving forward, mm-hmm. and. Um, because we, we you know, we're still not sure when the, the flips are gonna. And we actually, at the bottom, I, you know, I knew that this, this is some is gonna end at some point, right? The market was just what, too the crazy frothy. Market? Yeah, yeah. yeah, market was just too frothy. It was just ridiculous uh, how how fast it was moving. So we knew that was not sustainable. I mean, we kind of took were advantage. Were you getting nervous beforehand? Like I, I remember me thinking about it. I'm like, it's not sustainable. I'm like, yeah. can I really justify jumping into this? Like, <laughs> You know, doing especially in Toronto, doing flips like that. I mean, I know you were flipping at the lower end of it. Yeah. Um, do you just quantify your potential loss and figure, hey, it's still worth pushing forward? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, we'll see how the how the next uh, couple months pan out. Mm. But I, you know, I think at some point, uh, fundamentals haven't changed. We're still getting immigration and huge, and, you yeah. know. Yeah. So. That's, uh, there's still, that's the there's wild card be a supply there, right? issue. Huge supply issue only growing, right? That's the yeah. wild card there because they're in the past, the precedent for prices rebounding isn't really there. Uh, it takes a very long time. Uh, however, in the past, they didn't have over a half a million people coming into the country every year. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've, you know, shut down the new starts on largely a lot of the developers have. So yeah, what's it going to look like? You know, how long can it stay down? One exactly. thing I think, it's that when it does rebound, it'll be bigger and further out of reach uh, than ever. I think when it does, and I don't know how long that takes, but yeah, I've, I've you know, with uh, I think it's going to be a lot of government intervention, mm-hmm. uh, at least an attempt uh, from the politicians to yeah. do something. But you know, uh, that's I would say the biggest risk with uh, within our business. Yeah, for sure. So why the U.S. side of things? Why did you decide to do that? You know, I would say that uh, we, you know, we 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 bought a couple of multifamily properties here uh, about two years ago, um, and two and three years ago, and we saw the trend that you know, as of last year, I couldn't find anything to purchase. Right, mm-hmm. uh, even the the year before, um, market was just getting too crazy. So nothing made sense, and it was almost like seller was demanding whatever they wanted. Uh, had no nothing to do yeah. with the financials of, of the property. Uh, it was just yeah. like, okay, this is uh, the price per unit is what we're looking for. Yeah, and, and people were giving and, it to them. And yeah, people were giving it to them because uh, yeah, that that was cheap as well. So we, uh, you know, so about two years ago is when I started exploring the U.S. multifamily and um, started learning more about it, attending a lot of conferences. And that's when I, you know, there's, uh, it's landlord friendly uh, is one of the bigger reasons. There's no rent control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have a strategy where you're getting cash flow plus equity, mm-hmm. right? Whereas here it tends to be more so an equity play. Yeah. 
uh, where where uh, you're getting cash flow and equity. And part of it is because you have, um, you know, your uh, they have interest-only loans. So you get, you know, keep a lot of the cash flow mm-hmm. and that's, you're able to distribute that to your investors. You're getting institutional interest only? No, just... Just like semi-private kind of thing? No, yeah, they're, they're still, um, I would say, kind of bridge lenders. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, interest only is, is very common. Even at the, at a, at a um, agency loan, which is like a yeah. Freddie Mac or Freddie a Fannie, Mac, Fannie, yeah. which is the equivalent of a CMHC loan, yeah. they're giving you interest only. That is like... What is common widespread? Yeah. Okay. So even when you refinance, you can get interest only. I mean, that's what people want because they want to be able to distribute the cash yeah. flow. Yeah, especially if you're syndicating it or doing something yeah. like that. Yeah. Of course, paying down is nice and getting getting the debt wiped off is nice. But you know, in the future, I think that especially if you can lock in, that's the biggest thing. Like you can probably still lock in those loans in the five percent range, under maybe under five. Right now, yeah. uh, with Bridge, it's uh, closer to seven. Mm-hmm. Is what uh, on our last Bridge deals. on like a big multi. Yeah. Yeah. How big? Uh, the last one we purchased, we just closed on, uh, was 122 units in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. Why'd you pick uh, Atlanta? You know, we I mean, were obviously Georgia is a good state to be a landlord. Yeah, in, yeah. Georgia, seems, the seems southeast in general is, yeah. is a great uh, area to be in. Um, we were looking at Texas, uh, Georgia, Atlanta specifically, mm-hmm. and um, you know, central and northern Florida. Mm-hmm. We just the competition was way worse in in uh, Dallas, for example. Um, a lot of mm-hmm. syndicators there. It's one of the largest multifamily markets mm-hmm. uh, in in the country. Yeah. So, uh, great, great market. But we we put in some offers in Dallas, and mm-hmm. just we were outbid. Uh, outbid, huh? And same same thing with Florida, right? Florida has been yeah. very very hot. So, it just seemed you know we we got a. This is our second deal that we closed mm-hmm. on, so we just happened to be working, uh, you know, uh, with the right broker and mm-hmm. um, gave us a chance. So we were able to. Now do the second deal with the same broker. Nice. Okay, yeah. and then who's involved with this? Like, are you are syndicating them with equity partners back here? Yeah. Uh, so I'm part of a. So I have partners on this as well. Uh, I'm one of the lead, what they call sponsors or general partners, okay. and um, so we raised equity from Canadian investors, and uh, but most of it was from uh, Americans. American investors. Yeah. So you have a, a U.S. partners as well, like. Yeah. I, and I mean more in the general partner category, people who are active partners. Like, are you the only active partner or is there another? No, no, there's uh, there's four of us, yeah. Okay, and how did yeah. you meet these other ones? Through networking. Networking. networking uh, Going yeah. to events in the States and stuff? Exactly. I'm, uh, yeah. I've been traveling quite a bit every month, going to different events, uh, mm-hmm. networking. So we can bring in other uh, general partners to uh, help raise money as well. Mm-hmm. But on this specific deal, we also got uh, a private equity firm that uh, put in a uh, capital mm-hmm. as well. So we were, because it was a, t- it was a, um, over eight million dollar raise in total. Nice. Yeah. And what type of events were you meeting these people at? <laughs> um, you know, there's so many. Uh, they're specifically multifamily. Yeah. Um, but everyone there is not is is there to. Uh, there's too many different types of people that come to these events. They're um, 
capital raisers as well as operators. Mm-hmm. So it's a place where yeah. two can meet and um, and do both. You know, and, yeah. and they kind of get contact with each other and uh, help uh, help uh, come a uh, project come to fruition. You know, very cool. Okay, so yeah, you've you've got your hands in a lot of different, uh, different yeah, pots. Yeah, multifamilies. The the U.S. part was definitely um, it was a there were a lot of hurdles because mm-hmm. we were when we first got this property. Um, when we look, first looked at it, you know the rates hikes hasn't hadn't uh, started yet. Um, and then we got it under contract, and that's when what things started to change. Mm-hmm. So, well, luckily we were able to negotiate the price down twice. Yeah, because and, of the changing rates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and have you, I'm sure you've noticed that prices have come down because of the rate changes. Have they had the same effect there with the rents getting pushed up because of the higher, yeah, higher interest rates? Yeah, definitely. I would say even more, more mm-hmm. so there than than here because uh US is a much larger market. Uh there's a lot more liquidity in in in, uh, in real estate as well because mm-hmm. you know their uh, tax laws are different, so mm-hmm. they're not worried about capital gains as as yeah. we are here. Uh, and typically, you know, when we were buying these properties, I was kind of surprised to see most of these, most of the uh, uh, previous owners are yeah. flipping these for in like two, three years. Okay. You know, so it's not a long hold period. Yeah. So you know, you get access to a lot Stuff more deal over. flow. Yeah. And um, you know, it's uh, I would say they're a lot more reasonable in terms yeah. of when negotiating the price because they know okay, if this goes back to market, they're probably not gonna uh, get a better price. Yeah. So it's better to work with to us. To work with the interested buyer, yeah. Yeah. So you're getting a lot more sophisticated sellers that know. Yeah, once you're dealing with multifamily, they they tend to be more sophisticated anyway, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So they, I mean, they want to negotiate, get a deal done with you. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the big benefit to Georgia is just whatever market rent is, whatever the demand is, the landlord just changes the rents. Yeah, so once your yeah. lease is over, your your uh, 12-month lease is over, you, you're, you're, uh, you go back to the tenant saying that, hey, uh, do you want to stay at this higher rate, renewal rate? Yeah. Uh, or we can say as a landlord, hey, we are looking to get uh, vacancy because we want to renovate this unit. Yeah. We can either offer you another another unit. Okay. Or Like, um, can you just kick them out or you have yeah, to offer yeah. them something? No, no, you don't have to. You can just say, you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so foreign. That. It's, yeah. it's, 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 foreign a, so it's a very, I mean, it's, that's, you know, how the, uh, that's just been the law there, right? Yeah. So they're used to that. There, there's just so many advantages to investing in the U.S. Like from a like a institutionalized structure, like yeah. their 30 year mortgages, the friendly, depending on the state, the friendly yeah. um, landlord laws. Um, it's just far more open for business, I would say. That's right. Yeah. Than, than here, hundred percent. I mean, it's definitely a lot more uh, landlord friendly, business friendly, capital friendly. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, like we were surprised that you can get access to private equity uh, and there's so many there's thousands of private equity firms that would be willing to look at uh, even uh, somebody that's a little bit newer you know yeah very cool Um, you'll have to share those uh, conferences with me I'd definitely be interested in in heading one of those up kind of take it to the next level a little bit Um, anyway so this has been um, a great episode so far Appreciate everything you've shared. If people wanted to follow you or learn more about you, where do we send them? 
Yeah, so you can uh, go to our website, uh, www.savvyrealestate.ca. Mm-hmm. And Jose and I are both uh, active on Instagram. Our mm-hmm. full names, uh, mine, Khadija Jafferji, and Jose's Jose Jafferji. Um, and yeah, that, that'd be great. We also have our podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, available on iTunes. Um, and yeah, you can well. check out uh, yeah, Andrew Hines on uh, on our podcast, which yeah, was yeah. Uh, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So, and thank you for coming on here. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, no, appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been many years, so yeah, try not to let it be that long before you come back. I, <laughs> Absolutely, wealth of knowledge here, and I got to see that studio <laughs> or yeah, your yeah, office yeah. there. <laughs> we'll send you some <laughs> <Yeah>. some secret <laughs> photos. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors. Are you interested in getting started in investing in the United States but not sure where to start? Why not attend the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind hosted by myself and Nick Van Dyke on March 4th, 2023. Nick and I will be covering topics ranging from A to Z, new construction, multifamily development, Airbnb, and much, much more, as well as the basics, including opening a bank account and understanding the proper corporate structure. We'll have several keynote speakers touching on very specific topics. And most importantly, you'll be sitting in a room with people who are highly focused and highly committed to investing in the United States. For more information, visit investinginthus.com and send me a DM on Instagram for a special discount code. I'll look forward to seeing you at the event.